Man, there'll be no diet in heaven, I promise you. All right. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn back to James chapter 5. And uh, let's just read verse 17 and verse 18 tonight. I'll mention a few things about verse 13 through uh, 16. But as we stand, we've been preaching. This will be the third message on this thought. But tonight, hopefully, we can finish it. Uh, prayer that moved heaven. And my, I think tonight, if this group of people, if we as a people of God tonight could pray in such a way that would move heaven, it would be a remarkable uh, difference in our lives, our homes, our churches. Boy, I tell you, it would make a difference. Amen. God help us tonight that the Spirit of God would move in our service tonight. The Spirit of God would move and the wind would blow. And that God in the Spirit tonight would come amongst us and through us and in us. And we may not be able to see them, but we can hear them. May it be so here tonight. Here in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here tonight. We are so grateful, Lord, that you give us another time in the evening, dear God, to come back to the house of God. Lord, I'm grateful tonight that I go to a church, that, Lord, you have services in the evening, that we can study God's Word, we can hear God's Word, we can sing songs of praise, we can be with God's people. God, we can fellowship with one another God, it's just good, and I thank you for it tonight. For not all churches tonight offer this, and I'm glad tonight that this church does. I pray tonight, Lord, you'd open our eyes now on James chapter 5. Help us to see tonight, Lord, that we can have the same power that Elijah had because the Elijah God is our God. And, Lord, I pray tonight, Father, that you'd help us to make it clear and understanding of God how to do that. What will it require? God, what would it take? Tonight that we would have power that God that caused it not to rain for three and a half years then pray again and it rained and heaven uh, be began to allow rain to come forth. God, may it be so in these people in this church tonight because of our great holy God. Lord, that we might find power in our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The setting here tonight is of church. We find that in verse 13. You notice the church prayer. He said, pray for yourself, pray for one another, and pray for the sick. Verses 13 through 16. We find in verses 15 and 16 the church problem is sin. Committed sin in verse 15 and unconfessed sin in verse 16. We find thirdly tonight, I notice the church power. We find that Elias is used as an example and used as a truth, uh, as one that is going to give us an understanding about verse 16. It says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then James, under the Holy Ghost of God, next words out of his mouth is in verse 17, Elias. So it's telling us that verse 16, verse 17, the man that is a righteous man is Elias. And so we put it together because that's the way it's given to us. We notice that Elias tonight, the fact is, the truth is, that he prayed 
and it did not rain. He prayed again, and it did rain. That's as simplest as I can get, but that's power. That's real power. In the night, I want power in my prayer. I want power at the church when I pray. I like to have power at home when I pray. I like to have power when I pray out in public. I like to have power in any place and any time that I pray. I like to have power, but we notice about in order to have that power, we're going to have to be as Elijah is, and that was he was a righteous man. And uh, we found that out in First Kings, so turn there with me. We'll be uh, in Kings here again tonight. And uh, we find that in First Kings chapter 17 that he was a righteous man because he had faith in God. And if we're going to tonight have power in our prayer, we're going to have to be a righteous man, a righteous woman. In order to be that tonight, you've got to have faith in God. We found four or five things that were in verse 1 that Elisha did. Number one, he surrendered to the Lord. The Bible says in that verse 17, verse 1, he said, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. And so he submitted, he surrendered himself to God as Lord. Tonight, that's how you... Have faith in God. That's how you're going to begin to have to become a righteous person, a righteous man or woman. Number two, he served the God of Israel. He didn't serve other gods. He didn't serve Baal. He didn't serve himself. He served the God of Israel. And that's how you become a righteous man or woman is you're serving the God of Israel. Thirdly, he submitted to God in verse 1. He says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, saying that God lives. That God's alive today. God's alive right now. And God is aware. And God is understanding. And God sees. And God knows. And, and God, God is about. And God is with tonight. And so what he's saying to you and I tonight in that term, he's saying because God lives, I just submit to him. You know, tonight when I go home, I'll submit to him because he's there. And when I go to work tomorrow, I'll submit to him because he's there. And whenever I go to church, I'll submit to him because he's there. When I go down to maybe Walmart or go down to Home Depot or maybe I go get gas or maybe I go to Jack in a Box or maybe I, I go to a place uh, like Kohl's or, or maybe I go to a neighbor's house or maybe to a family member's house. Anywhere and everywhere I go, he liveth. Amen. And so we find that he just submits himself to him. That's a righteous man and woman that you know that now you surrender to the Lord and you are servant of God, but you submit to God because he lives. Fourthly, we notice he stands before God in verse chapter 17 of 1 Kings verse 1. The Bible says, before whom I stand. And what he's saying there is this, I'm a righteous man because I'm standing before God. And where I go, he's there. That means he's I'm before him. And where I go, and I have to watch what I say. I got to watch what I do. I got to watch how I act. I got to watch how I do what I do and say what I do because he's before me. And so I am very much understanding and knowing tonight uh, that I'm standing in the presence of God. And that I'm standing before the Lord. And so that makes me responsible. That makes me accountable. That makes me reliable. That makes me think a little bit before I just spout out of the mouth. It makes me think a little bit before I just do anything and everything. It changes my behavior. It changes my disposition. It changes what I'm going to say. It changes how I'm going to do things. Because I'm standing before the Lord. That's a righteous man. And a righteous woman. You just don't 
throw it out. You just don't do what you want to do. You don't say what you want to say. You just don't hurt people. You just don't run over people. You just don't talk about people. You just don't become uh, angry and bitter over them. You're not jealous over them. You're not backstabbing them. Uh, You're not gossiping over them because you're before the Lord. A righteous man. We notice, fifthly, he was strong in the Lord because he said in verse 1, he said, uh, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And a righteous man is strong. Now, we preached on all this last Sunday night, but a righteous man is strong. I mean, he is very confident in his walk with God. He is very much in a place where he's not uh, worrying about what everybody else is thinking about him. He's just concerned about what God thinks about him. He's not about trying to please the world and to please everyone. He's just about pleasing God. So that makes him strong. That makes him to know that he's got boldness, he's got courage, because he's going to tell them, listen, it won't rain, it won't have dew, but according to my word. And tonight, that's what we need. That's what righteous men and women do. You'll find that they're strong in the Lord. We also know that if you're going to be righteous tonight like Elijah, you're going to have to not have faith in God, but you're going to follow God. We found that in chapters 17, verses 2, down to verse 38. We're not going to re-preach that. We did on the other night. But all that we said during those passages was God told him to do something. He did it. And God fulfilled his behalf. God, God, next thing you know, uh, we find that he's having some bad days. He's having some good days. He's having some times when he's on the mountaintop when that raven come and fed him. That's a mountaintop experience. Oh, but Fred, when he went down to the brook of chairs to get a drink, it was dry. That's not a mountaintop. That's a valley experience. And so, boy, you'll find that this Christian life is up and this Christian life is down. This Christian life is in dark sometimes, and sometimes it's in light. Sometimes, Fred, you feel like you can walk on water, and sometimes it feels like you're drowning in water. Oh, I'm all saying is chapter 17, verses 2 through 38. He's following God, no matter if it's hard, no matter if it's easy, no matter if it's uh, dark or whether it's light. He just kept on following God. Amen. That's a righteous man tonight. A righteous man, a righteous woman follows God no matter what. If everybody in this room tonight would come to me and we walk out in just a moment and say, Brother, I quit. I'm not serving God. I'm not coming back to this church. I'm not doing anything at all uh, with Jesus Christ. I'll look at you with a tear, in my, a tear in my eye and with a hurt in my heart. And i say, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'll be back Wednesday night. Right. Amen. Right. And I will. And so tonight it ought to be in your heart and your mind. If everybody else quits behind you, everybody else quits around you, you're not quitting. If everybody says Jesus is not real, you'll call him a liar. If anybody says, listen, God is dead, you'll call him a big fat liar. Amen? I mean, it would just go forth that I am going to follow the Lord no matter who is, who is not, what's going on, what's happening. If I have to follow him with being poor, I got to follow him being rich, I got to follow him being sick, following him being healthy, following him when I understand, and following him when I don't understand. Understand. A righteous man have faith in God, yes. follows God. And thirdly, we praise that a righteous man has fear in God. We found that as well uh, there in that verse 39 in verse 40. 
We, we see uh, there, as in chapter 18, of course, the, the Bible says in verse 39 of chapter 18, and when all the people saw, they fell on their faces, and, and, uh, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is the God. What happened here? Well, you know, we preached on it last week. Everybody knows that chapter. Uh, oh, Elijah comes in and says, listen, you get all your 450 prophets of Baal. You get all of the 400 others there. That's 850 there that are worshiping Baal. And uh, y'all come and y'all build a fire and we'll call out to God, your God. And they called out to their God. And he said, when there's fire from heaven that comes forth, that's the God that you worship. That's the God that you call on. That's the God that you follow. And they did it and no fire came from heaven and then Elijah said uh, let's build a fire and he built a fire and when he built that fire he put water around it he called out to God and then all of a sudden God came forth out of fire out of heaven with fire and licked it up he licked up all of the wood he licked up the sacrifice he licked up the water he licked up anything and everything when God got done with that there was nothing lying on the ground and the Bible says then they began to worship they begin to call out, this is God. This is God. And so we find that he feared God, that he worshipped him. And then they began to confess him. In verse 40 it says, And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them there. We find that he was a man that obeyed God. Because that's exactly what it said to do in Deuteronomy with the enemies. And so we see he feared God. And we found, as we began the, the end of the message of last week, we found that he's not only a righteous man, but we find that Moses, that Elijah was a regular man. Yes. And that's where we kind of ended, and we find that regular man uh, there in that... Uh, keep your hand right here in, in 1 Kings chapter 19 because we're coming right back to it. But in James chapter 5, I want you to notice the phrase where we get this regular man from so that you can know it. The Bible says in verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Subject to like passions as we are. Even though Elijah experienced victories, Elijah also experienced defeat. In chapter 19, in verse 3, we find that he experienced fear. And that's where we stopped last time, right here. And you know tonight, as, this, as Elijah had a great victory in chapter 18, and uh, getting rid of all of the prophets of Baal, and we find now in verse 19, uh, Jezebel, which is the wife of Ahab, had heard about it. And uh, Jezebel said in verse 2, uh, sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, uh, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and came to Beersheba and belonged to Judah and left his servant there. He was scared to death. Amen. He was running for his life. He heard that Jezebel has said uh, that he's about to die like the ones that he killed are going to die. And so here's this man, this man that's a righteous man, uh, this man who followed God, had faith in God, this man who feared God. And you say, brother, is there such a man like that? Yeah, you're looking at us. That's right. 
You're looking at us like tonight or like today. We could say, I'm a righteous person. And being a righteous person, I got faith in God. I'm following God. I got the fear of God. And we can shout that out tonight. Every one of us can give a testimony of all that's going on. We go into mourning, and in the morning, we're scared to death. Man, it doesn't matter. Things happen. Things go on. And you and I are just regular. So was Elijah. He's just a regular man. I mean, he was scared. And uh, you talk, I remember, remember when I was talking about somebody breaking in your house and you got your gun, AK, and all that kind of stuff going on and knife in your mouth. And you, you, you said, I'm not scared. Uh, but yeah, you turn the lights on and, and all that kind of stuff tonight. I'm going to tell you tonight, being human tonight, you'll get scared. You have fear tonight. Uh, there's, there's things in our lives uh, that will bring fear. Even though we are righteous and even though we are following God, uh, there's things that happen. Tonight we can go out this door right here. Tonight we can turn left, don't see the car. And when the car is coming toward us, we're scared to death we're going to get hit, right? right. That, don't, that means we're not righteous. That means we're not having no faith in God. That just means you don't know how to drive. Right. Amen. It means that. You're driving down the road. You hear shots of a car next to you, a shooting for another, at another car next to them. You're just going to go and drive up between them and say, oh, hey, fellas, put your guns away. No, no you're going to put the brake on. You're going to go back. You're going <laughs> to almost died. You go to the doctor, you're having a hurting or pain, and you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor and you say to the doctor, doctor, I don't have no fear at all. Go ahead and tell me what's wrong with me. Mm. That's not what you do. You tell your church, pray for me. Man, I got some hurting, I got some pain. I don't know what it is. It could be good, it could be bad, but would you pray for me? Why are you asking me to pray for you? Because I got a little fear in my heart over it. I, I, and the doctor runs an x-ray, does the MRI, and he, he looking. So he calls you back. I'm going to call you back to look at the MRI. And you go, you walk in, and you, you got some little bit of, am I right? What is it? Am I going to live? Do I have to do something? Do I have to have surgery? Do I have, what, what's going on? You know why tonight? Because even though we can be righteous, you can understand that there's fear. There's fear. There's fear tonight, and he was one who experienced fear. So let's not, let's not look at Elijah and point our finger at Elijah and say, Elijah, you're running from a woman. <laughs> Elijah, what a wimp you are. Elijah, what a sissy boy you are. I mean, here you are. You, you're going up to 450, 800 uh, bells uh, of the prophets of Baal, and boy, you're big, and you're telling them, you're laughing at them, saying, you're, you're God's on vacation, you're God's sleeping, your God is doing something else, he don't care about you. And all of a sudden, one woman, one woman, running after a man who has, who has a girdle on, a man that has locusts coming out of his mouth and honey running down his chin. A man, oh, that's a man's man. I'm going to tell you something tonight. You can be as tough as you want to right here. And you can be tonight as strong as you think you are. But down deep in the heart of every one of us, we're just regular. And we have fear. Tonight, I noticed that he experienced fear, but I noticed second one, he, he experienced dis, discouragement. Look at verse 4. But he said, but he himself went in the day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, 
for I am not better than my father's. You know the difference between him and somebody who says they're going to commit, adult, commit suicide? No, a lot of people say this kind of stuff, hide the gun. Because I might kill myself. Throw the guns out on the table. They're not going to kill themselves. He says, God, take my life. You see, that's one tonight who's serious about having no life. But they're not serious about having no life. I'm going to cut my wrist. I'm going to take some drugs. I'm going to overdose. I'm going to drink myself into oblivion. I mean, I'm going to take a gun. I'm going to take a sword. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. No, he was discouraged. You say, brother, can your Christian get so discouraged that he don't want to live? I mean, how in the world can that be? Well, here's Elijah. We already explained he's a righteous man. He said, I don't want to live. So discouraged, so discouraged that he said, listen, I had enough. I no longer want to go another day. I no longer want to step another step. Things just has not turned out like I want them to turn out. Things are just not looking like they should look. I, I find myself running from one who wants to kill me. And here I am under the juniper tree. Here I am by myself all alone. Nobody cares for my soul. Nobody is trying to protect me. Nobody's trying to come get me. Nobody's trying to help me. Here here I am alone. God, just take me on. Tonight, can I say tonight, he's a regular man. There are times in your life when you say, I can't go through this marriage no more. I'm done. Am I right? There's times in the day when as a parent you say, I can't take this rebellious child. I can't take their mouth no more. I can't take their rebellion no more. I can't take their disobedience no more. I've had it up to here. I don't want no more. There's some times at work when you say, I'm going to quit this place. I'm sick and tired. I can't do it no more. There's times in life where it seems that you just work and work and work and work and you got no more money. You've got bags with holes, the Bible says. You can't ever catch up financially. You get yourself in financial issues and financial troubles and then all of a sudden, friend, you find yourself not able to provide for the family and do the things that you ought to do. And next thing you know, you're saying, I'm just tired and sick of it. I want out. Just regular. We're talking about people tonight who know God. They get discouraged. We need to pray for one another, don't we? Tonight, we need to stop walking around as if we are Mr. and Mrs. Encouraged while we can know around us some people are discouraged. You ought to be looking for them people who are discouraged. You ought to go around in church trying to find somebody that has looked like a discouragement or when you talk to them, how you doing, you can always tell whether they're really doing well or not. It's the ones that says, oh, I'm doing great, everything's fine, you know it's not. It's the ones that says, you know, I'm doing okay, everything's going to be all right, they're telling the truth. So remember how you respond. I hear this all the time as I walk around, people say, how you doing? I'm doing great, everything's wonderful. And they're walking like this. Yep, they're doing great though. Oh, we find tonight that Elijah was just regular. 
He experienced a fear. He experienced a discouragement. But in verse 4, he he experienced a despair. When he said, it is enough, he's saying to the Lord, it'll never get better. I'll never never come out of this. It's just the way it's going to be. Not only am I discouraged, but I'm in the place of despair. Uh, Lord, the only way out I see is take my life. There's no, other, there's no other way, Lord. I'm in despair. The only answer for me in life is death. The only answer. And so we find him a life of despair. So we see tonight as a regular man, there can be some fear and, dis- and there can be just some discouragement and some despair. But then I also see in verse 4, I see experience a guilt. As I, as I look, he says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down on a juniper and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. So now in his discouragement and in his despair, he's now feeling guilt. He said, you know what? I thought I was better than my father's. I'm not no better than my father's. They were sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, they failed, I failed. I mean, you know, they didn't listen to God, and I'm not listening to God. I mean, listen, friend, as he looks at his fathers and he sees them come out of Egypt, he sees them go into the wilderness for 40 years and going for another 40 years, and they find themselves, friend, and the Bible says that that first group, the ones that came out of the first 40 years, none of them went into the promised land, and none of them went into heaven because of unbelief. We find tonight as Elijah was looking back and he says, you know what? I'm not as better and I'm not as good as my fathers are. And we do that as regular people, don't we? We start looking to guilt. We start saying, you know, I'm not a very good mother anyway. I'm not a very good spouse anyhow. You know what? I'm telling you, I could quit tomorrow at work and they wouldn't care. I'm just, you know, I'm just pathetic. At church, you know what? I don't do much there either. You know, I come to sit, I come to church, I listen to the preaching, I leave out of here. I don't do much of anything else, you know. I, I, I'm just a sorry Christian. I'm just a sorry worker. I'm a sorry spouse. I'm a sorry mother. I'm a sorry father. I'm just a sorry individual. I'm just sorry, you know, I could do better. A lot more people are better than me. I know you probably wish that I would die so you can get somebody else because they'd be better than me. That's how they talk. Regular people. Amen? Guilt. Fear, discouragement, despair, guilt. Also experienced was exhaustion. Look there, verse 5. He says, And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then the angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He was so exhausted. You ever get like that? Where you get so exhausted? The situation in your life? I mean, it might be a marriage tonight and you want it to be good, you want it to be better, you want it to grow, and it just seems like every single day you're bickering, you're fighting, uh, you're not getting alone, uh, the, the spouse keeps on doing the same thing over and over and over, you don't even want to come home, you don't even want them to come home, uh, you know, and you get, uh, you get to the place where you distant yourself, you get to the place where you don't act as you ought to act, and friend, the next thing you know, you're thinking, oh, my soul, 
I'm so discouraged in this marriage. I'm so, I'm so despaired in this marriage. I'm so guilty in this marriage. They can have somebody else. They could find a better wife. They could find a better husband. Uh, they can have somebody better than me. And then next thing you know, friend, you'll find yourself in a place. I'm this exhausted. I'm tired. I'm tired of parenting. I'm tired of marriage. I'm tired of living. I'm tired of working. I'm tired of not having no money. I'm tired of always being financial straits. I'm tired of feeling bad. I'm tired of not feeling good ever. I'm tired of feeling tired. I'm exhausted in life. Amen. I'm just trying to bring to you tonight regular people. Now, you might not be regular. You might be weird. Tonight, you might be strange tonight. You, you might be a strange bird. I, I don't know. And tonight, you never get discouraged and you never find despair and you never have fear and you never have guilt and you never come to a place where you just get exhausted. You might not do that tonight. Well, maybe this message is not for you. But if you are and you find yourself in those positions sometimes, I'm just letting you know, trying to encourage you, you can still be saved and be in a place tonight exhausted. Amen. Trying to help you, that's all. We find tonight he experienced a weakness. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and lay down again. Uh, the Bible says in verse 7, The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because thy journey is too great for thee. He's, you're finding weakness. God had to come to him a second time. That's weakness. Uh, when God has come to you the first time, you do it, right? Amen? I mean, right now I would say as, a, as, a, as one who's preaching tonight and one who says that if God comes to you, don't let him come to you the second time. But you know what? We're just regular people. Sometimes God has to come to us the second time, don't he? And the reason why is because we're just weak. He told us what to do, and we didn't do it. He told us to get up and get it. We didn't get up and get it. Because of his grace and because of his mercy and his long suffering tonight, he'll come to us the second time. Hallelujah. Thank God for God tonight. Amen. And as regular people tonight, he comes to him the second time. And sometimes God has to come to you the second time. And the reason why is because you're weak. But that don't mean you're lost. That don't mean you're unsaved tonight. And it don't mean you're not righteous tonight. It just means tonight you're just regular. Isn't it good to know tonight you're regular? How I many people at my work look at me and they say, brother, you, not brother, they say, you know what, there's something wrong with you. In my house, people say, you know what, you're just too much. I mean, everywhere I go, there's always somebody classifying me as some kind of group. I'm so glad tonight to know that whenever I do get weak, I have a God that don't give up on me. Amen. He'll come to me the second time. And so he came to him the second time because he found weakness. He found exhaustion. He found guilt, despair, discouragement, and fear tonight. And uh, seventhly, I notice he experienced disconnection from God. Look at verse 11. I'm sorry, look at verse 8. In verse 9, he experienced frustration. Look at verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights under Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been.
Jealous for the Lord thy God of hosts, for the children of Israel hath forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword. I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He found himself experiencing frustration. What he's telling God is God says, what are you here for? I told you to go somewhere else. He said, God, you didn't understand. I'm the only one out here living for you. Ever got there before? You ever felt like you're the only one on the island? You ever felt like there ain't nobody in your house that loves God as much as you love God? You ever felt like there's anybody at church who don't want to serve God like you want to serve God? I mean, the whole world, there ain't nobody that, that, that we're going to do for God that I can do for God. I mean, we get to that point sometimes. We think that we are. Here, Elijah, he said, I'm the only one. I'm the one who tore down them altars. I'm the one who built them altars. I am the one who killed those prophets. I am the one that stood up for God. I am the one that brought this to way. And now, God, I'm in a cave. I'm in a place. And God said, why are you there? He said, because I'm frustrated. That's why. So I did everything you asked me to do. I did everything that you have given me to do and everything that there was to be done, I did it. He said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm frustrated. Tonight we'll find ourselves in this Christian life frustrated. Read our Bibles. We come to church three days, three times a week. We pay our tithes. We get to missions. We pray three days, three times a day in the morning, at lunch, when we eat, and at night. We read our Bible at least one time a day. We find ourselves coming to Sunday school. We find ourselves uh, being good to our family. We find ourselves as living a, a righteous life, a Christian life. We find ourselves being good to the, to the poor, or we give to the needy. We find ourselves being kind and being, being very polite and, and loving one another, forgiving one another. We find ourselves being one who's obeying God's Word. Uh, we're trying to be like Jesus Christ. We're allowing the Spirit of God to lead and guide us and to teach us and, and to help us alone. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place called a cave. And God says, what you doing there? And you say, God, you don't understand. I did all of these things, and I'm frustrated. And tonight, that's what a righteous man would do. That's what a regular man would do. And tonight, if you be honest with yourself, that's what you do. We find ourselves tonight in a place where God says, what are you there for? Did I tell you to go there? Did I ask you to go there? And friend, we find tonight he experienced a frustration. And then he experienced a disconnect, as I said well ago. Look at verse 11 through verse 14. The Bible says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and mighty and a strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, Elijah, what doest thou here, Elijah? So we find that he is disconnected from God. And friend, we can find ourselves on a daily basis if we don't watch it, uh, definitely on a weekly basis and probably on a monthly basis, somewhere we get disconnected. 
Not that God leaves us, but that we leave God. That don't mean we're not saved. That don't mean we're lost. That don't mean we lost our salvation. It just means tonight that we are come to a place of life and God is trying to bring our back to Him. He's trying to get our attention. He's sending this earthquake. He's sending this fire. He's sending this wind. I mean, it's breaking the pieces of, of the rocks and the mountains are renting. I mean, I can just imagine of all that. And here in the same place, uh, in Elijah's time in Elijah's mind in Elijah's truth God's presence was there because he's breaking all the rocks and so as he's breaking all the rocks he's in the presence of God but he's also in the power of God in verse 11 and in verse 12 but also he's in the passion of God because as God says to him listen I know you see I know you see the wind and how it's tearing up the mountains and tearing up the rocks but I'm not in the wind He said, I know you see the earthquake shaking up the earth, but I'm not in that either. He said, then the fire. He said, I know you see that too. I'm just trying to get your attention, Elijah. And many times in our lives, dear children of God, God will bring some things in our lives to get our attention. He'll bring an earthquake. He'll bring a fire. He'll bring a wind. He's in none of that, though. He's in the small, still voice. And he's trying to speak to you, and he's trying to say to you, why are you there? You're in the wrong place. You're not where you belong. You're disconnected from God. See, you're at home on a Wednesday night when you could be here at church. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. While your family's having Bible study, you're in your room. You're in the wrong place. Amen. I'm just telling you. While you should be in your room reading your Bible and praying unto God, you're watching TV. You're in the wrong place. Right? And he's going to have to send an earthquake to your house. He's got to send a fire. He's got to send a wind. And your things are going to start breaking. Things are going to start going around. And But he's in none of that because he's in a small, still voice. He's trying to tell you in a small, still voice, what are you doing? So Elijah experienced a disconnection. I'm trying to say tonight, how do we get the power that Elijah had? Well, we get it because he's righteous. And we get it because he's regular. So this power that you and I have seen Elijah have comes to a regular guy, don't it? So we're not sitting back saying, Elijah, man, he's a a giant. Only Elijah can pray and the the rain would come and the rain would stop. Oh, no, you can't say that now because Elijah is just regular like you and me. Amen? And so tonight, that encourages my heart to know that it's not somebody that we can't reach or somebody that's way higher than we are. And uh, we, we say to you tonight, thank the Lord. Can I say lastly tonight, though, not is he a righteous man and he is a regular man, but he is a rare man. Rare. Rare man. The Bible says back into our text, he said that he prayed earnestly. That's rare. That's rare because many a times tonight, many people pray, but they don't pray earnestly. They, they, they pray quickly. They pray shallowly. They pray fleshly. 
They pray just to be heard, and they pray just to get done. In other words, in the morning when you get up, you just know that you need to pray, and so you'll just pray, but you're just praying because you know you need to pray. And at night before you go to bed, you're probably laying in your bed and you're probably reading your Bible and you're going to sleep as you're reading your Bible. And then the Lord just kind of taps on you and says, I'd like to hear from you tonight. I got to pray. So you'll get down on the side of your bed and you start praying. Get that over with. All I'm saying tonight is a rare people pray earnestly. Where there's great thought, there's great anticipation, there's great mentality, and there's great spirituality. Amen. Knowing that I'm praying to a great, large, powerful God, and that my words matter to God, Amen. and that what I have to say from my heart tonight, He may hear, yes. and I'm going to take time. I'm going to be serious and sober and that whatever I say to the God of gods and the Lord of lords is going to be earnest and not just some kind of flippant, fast, quickie in order to get going. Amen. Rare person. Now, I'm not saying tonight of that small prayers or little prayers or quick prayers or, or any of those kind of things are wrong. We find that all through the Bible, right? We see as we read the Scripture, you'll find not everybody prayed long, not everybody prayed uh, short, not everybody prayed, uh, you know, in, in, in a place tonight. But I'm saying no matter how long or short the prayer is, it's going to have to be earnestly. We also notice there in James that he prayed the effectual fervent prayer. Effectual fervent prayer. In other words, tonight he prayed fervently. He prayed with fire. He prayed uh, with a tense. Uh, he prayed uh, with a desire. He prayed with an end. He prayed that whatever he said and that he said, Lord, uh, not it pray for three and a half years. And he did it believing. He did it with his heart. And he did it with all that he had within him. And then he prayed again. And heaven brought forth rain because he prayed effectually and fervently. He prayed with fire. And so whenever he spoke to God, it wasn't just some words. It was something that was effectual and fervent. God help us. I want to be rare. Three things tonight I notice. That he prayed according to God's word. Look in Deuteronomy with me tonight. And I want you to look at verse 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And look in verse 15 with me tonight. He prayed according to God's word. Chapter 28 and verse 15. The Bible says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all thy commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall be upon thee and overtake thee. Look at verse 23. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, the earth that is under thee shall be iron, 
And the Lord shall make the rain of the land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee till thou be destroyed. And so go back to James chapter 5. And there in that verse uh, 17, we read tonight. And Elijah is a man subject with two like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it, not, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three and six months. You know how he prayed? He prayed according to God's word. That's how he prayed. Because God's word said uh, that there shall not be any, any dew nor any of these uh, uh, rain. It says in, in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter, 7, verse 7, chapter 17 verse 1, He said there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. And then in verse 17 of chapter 5 of James, He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain. And so what I'm saying tonight, if we're going to have power of prayer tonight, we've got to pray according to God's word. Yes, amen. God said they, don't, they do wrong, there'll be a drought. Right. There'll be no rain. He prayed, oh God, don't let it rain. And how come God would even listen to that? Because it was what the word of God said. Right. Amen. Right. You see, tonight we can't pray outside the bounds of the word of God. You can't pray tonight and contradict the Word of God. You can't ask God to do something for you, do something in you and on you tonight that does not correlate with God's Word. God's Word, friend, is where God's bound by. God, God cannot go against this Word. He'll never go against this Word. He'll never make the Word of God obsolete. He'll not say something and the Word say something different. He'll always go right with His Word. He's bound by His Word. Whatever's in His Word tonight will take place. And you and I got to know His Word. Amen. And when we pray, we pray according to Thy Word. Is that true? So he told him, he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And the reason why he knew that is because God already said in Deuteronomy, it's not going to rain. Boom. <laughs> you want power? Pray according to God's word. Number two, we find that he prayed according to God's will. If you go, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 18... Keep you there, James 5. We're going to be right back there. But 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go shall thyself to Ahab. Look what he says to, look what he says to him. I will send rain upon the earth. Was that God's will? Oh, yeah. And then look at chapter 5 of James and verse 18, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. Now, we thought that Elijah was some maybe spectacular, super-duper man of God that had some kind of special, uh, you know, agreement in relation to the God of gods. Oh, he wasn't any of that, amen? He was righteous, he was regular, but he was rare because when he prayed, he prayed in the will of God. God told him, I'm going to cause it to rain. And he looks up to God after three and a half years and said, God calls it to rain. And it did. Because right. he prayed according to God's will. Yes, 
We have scripture all through the Bible. If you pray and pray according to his will, that he answers you. So you got to find God's will. And when you find God's will and you pray in his will, he'll answer it every single time. When you pray in his word tonight, he'll answer it every single time. Why don't God answer our prayers tonight? Because we don't pray in his word and we don't pray in his will. Because we want our own way, we want our own will. And God said, that's not happening. It'll go according to my will. Tonight, we've got to get in the Bible and not only know the word of God, but we've got to know the will of God. That's the problem with Christians tonight. They're not interested in God's word. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of y'all have read one chapter this week? One chapter of God's Word this week. I wouldn't raise my hand either. And you want to be able to have power like Elijah, and you can't read but one, no, but one chapter of the Word of God in a week's time? How can you know God's word and God's will and how can you have find power from God when you pray tonight when you're not willing to read one chapter for one whole week? Were we really serious? You see, we thought tonight that we might have the power of Elijah by just not doing, knowing God's word or God's will and we could just pray anything to heaven and we can just do what God, tell God what to do and he'll just lay it out on us. But that's not how God works. We're not willing to put in. And when you put in, you can get out. I'm willing to put in, read God's word, look at God's word, pray over God's word, meditate upon God's word, memorize God's word, put him in my heart that I might not sin against thee, and know God's word. And by knowing God's word, I can know God's will. And if I know God's will tonight, I can pray and it will come to pass. But we're willing to not even do one chapter in one week. So we're not that serious. Amen. We find tonight, thirdly, that he not only prayed according to God's word and prayed according to God's will, but he prayed according to God's way. James chapter 5, verse 16, he effectually fervent prayer. I want you to notice tonight that word effectual fervent prayer means to display one's activity. To display one's activity. When somebody sees you in effectual fervent prayer, they're going to observe, uh, observe from you an activity that will reveal and manifest that there's a fire in your heart. Amen. It might be, it might be from, from you moving around. It might be from the tone of your voice. It, it may be from the much of words. It, it may be from the flowing of your eyes of tears. It may be from the brokenness of heart. It may be uh, tonight where you're just not able to look up. You just must lay down. Uh, you cannot come to the altar. You just fall out by the pew. Uh, but there's going to be some activity of manifestation of a fervency that's going on. Not just a cold, callous prayer. That word fervent prayer tonight, uh, effectual fervent prayer, also means to show oneself operative. 
In other words, tonight when you're praying and you're really praying according to God's word and God's will, you're praying in God's way and this is God's way and that there is an there is within you an operative that's going on and that is that God's word and God's will is working through you and on you and you're about to come out of you because you're about to lay it to God and say God this is your word and will in my life effectual fervent prayer that word effectual fervent prayer means tonight to labor or to be at work let me give you an example Go back to 1 Kings chapter 17 with me. I'm about to close. I know I said that many times before. It's like that boy called Wolf, right? 1 Kings chapter 17, but you ain't got nowhere else to go. We got snow combs tonight. Is that any consolation? Snow come, do you know snow comes are better at night than in the day? Brother George said no. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, keep in mind now what we're talking about. We're talking about effectual, fervent prayer. Look at this. Chapter 17, look at verse 20. And so, what's going on? Let's, let's go back a little bit, okay? Let's go to verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and the sickness was sore, and there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O man of God? Art thou come to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? He said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid him upon his bed. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow of whom I sojourned by slaying her son? So we see the effectual fervent prayer of Elijah by removing that boy from her arms out of her bosom, it says. He laid the, the, the son on the, the bed and he begins to cry out to God. Now does that sound like something that is effectual fervent? Yes. I mean, it's just not, it's just not okay. I know he's not breathing and he's dead, but I'll go ahead and pray for him, but he's dead. You know, I can't do much about it. He's dead, but I'll go ahead and pray because the mother's crying, the mother's weeping, the mother's heart's broken. In order to, to kind of help her, to bring comfort to her, you go ahead and pray and, and you say, okay, let's pray for your son and he'll pray for, he'll pray for the son, you know, and that's usually how it works. But this is effectual, fervent prayer. This is the way God. He takes the boy. He brings the boy on the bed. He begins to cry out to God. Then look at the next verse. If you can picture this. He stretched himself uh, uh, upon the child three times. And he cried unto the Lord. And said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And so, we, remember what that word effectual, 
Fervent prayer means it means there's a manifestation. There is an operated a operation that's taking place. That when you look at one who's praying, uh, there is movement. Uh, there is something taking place. There is something affecting here. And so she took the boy. He took the boy, laid him on the bed, and he comes across the bed of this boy. He lays and stretches himself all over the boy. He cries out to God, God, uh, save this boy. Uh, bring life to him. He went back. Nothing happened. He went back again on the second time. He stretched out over the boy. He's crying. Effectual, fervent prayer. He's saying unto God, God, uh, with fire in his heart, with a very serious upon his soul. The second time, he went back. God didn't do anything. The three times, he stretched out upon that boy, cried out to God, and God said, I hear you, son. Amen. The effectual, fervent prayer. Our little old cat night prayers. I little I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Somebody asks you to pray for them, and, and you're praying, and you just mention their name. Oh yeah, by the Lord, or uh, by the Lord, I, I pray for Sister Sophia. So the next Wednesday night she comes, she she comes to you and say, "Thank you for praying for me." You say, "No problem," and all you said to God was, "Oh yeah, help Sister Sophia." Does that sound like effectual, fervent prayer to you? <laughs> Does that sound like that availeth much? Oh, can I show you another one tonight before we go eat some snow cones? Again, I tell you, it's better at night than it is in the day. We find there in 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at verse 41. Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount up to Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Again, what does it mean? Effectual, fervent prayer. It means there is a display of one's activity. There's a show of oneself being operative. There's the labor to work, uh, to labor in prayer. And so next thing you know, here comes Elijah. He puts his face down between, he puts his head between his his knees, and then he takes himself and lays himself upon the earth, uh, something of this nature. His head's down here in his knees. He's on the ground. You can tell that Elijah is some factual fervent prayer going on right there, isn't it? Usually you lay in bed. Usually you say, oh, forget it. I just pray driving. I just pray when I get to work. When I get to work, I go in the parking lot and I just pray real quick so before I go in there, I, I can pray. Right? I hear Elijah. He gets his head between his knees. He lays himself on the ground. He began to pray that it would rain. Verse 43. And said to his servant, Go up now. Look toward the sea. He went up. And looked, and he said, there is nothing. There is nothing. Elijah put his head in between his knees. He got back down on the ground. He prayed again. He told his servant, go look. He went and looked. No rain. Head between his knees. Got on the ground. Began to fervent prayer. 
Look to the servant. Go look. Comes back. No rain. Seven times. On the seventh time, God answered. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Are we willing tonight to put in the work? Are we willing tonight to labor? Are we willing tonight to do and go and whatever requires? In verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot. Get thee down that the rain stop thee not. God answers his prayer. It begins to rain. God heard them. Tonight, God's just wanting somebody tonight to pray. That's all. He wants somebody tonight that's righteous to pray effectual and fervent so that you can avail with much. I don't believe with my heart tonight it would have never rained if Elijah wouldn't have prayed. Even though it was God's will and God's word, God was waiting on Elijah. And there's some things tonight in your marriage, in your parenting, in your home, in this church, in your finances, in your health, that God says, I'm ready and I'm willing and I want to, but you just haven't made yourself that righteous one that will pray effectual and fervent and that will availeth a much. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And I wonder tonight, does this describe your prayer life? Would you say tonight, I pray just like this? If you could say that tonight, I tell you, amen. Glory to God. Congratulations. Because I don't know anybody that does. I don't. It's not that I'm not going to or that I'm not want to. But tonight I pray that all of us will change a little bit. And let's get with God. And let's get it to where the Bible says, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Because we need much of prayer in our homes, in our church, and in our country. And it's going to take the church to do that. Let's stand to our feet, our heads about, our eyes. A righteous, regular, rare man. I like that last verse in verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Boy, I need God's hand on me, don't you? Don't you? I pray. I pray that we pray. I pray that we find a burden in our heart that God would move us in such a place that we'd fall out in this altar tonight. That we find ourselves at the foot of the cross. We find ourselves prostrate before God. Fall out before the Lord and say, God, I need help in my prayer life. God, I need some help in my prayer life. Oh, there's some would come. There's some that did come tonight. Will you come? Will you be so concerned tonight that you would bow your knee and bow your heart toward God on your prayer life?
helpful that we would be righteous, regular, rare, and pray that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Church, pray. You sing, Brother George. Pray, church. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us tonight, Lord. Oh, God. There's so many more things you want to do. You're waiting on us. God, you're waiting on us. Please, Lord. May we see it and may we do it. God, forgive me. Lord, I for, forgive me of my prayer life. It's shameful and weak. It's embarrassing. God, heal. Don't every spouse deserve a, a spouse that prays? As a righteous man that availeth much. Don't they deserve that? Don't children tonight expect parents to be righteous, to pray effectually and fervently that their prayers availeth much? Don't the, don't the children at least deserve that? Don't your child deserve you to pray that way? Your spouse, your home? God help. It's not okay. It's not all right. God, please, teach us tonight. Teach us tonight. God, give us help. Help us to be righteous and regular and rare. Oh, God, please. For your sake and for your glory. God, that your church tonight would find itself in prayer. Pray. God, pray. Oh, Lord, give grace, give mercy. Have your way today. Oh, may the Spirit of God blow by. God, may you breathe on us tonight. Please, my Father. Oh, God. Let me pray to end of service tonight, Father. Don't even have words to even say tonight. We read it in the Word of God. We know it to be true. And we know there's power. And we know you're the power. I would pray tonight, Lord, that you'd bring such an understanding in our hearts tonight, Lord, what we need to do. and How we need to begin to pray. And God, I know that you'll be faithful. And I know, Lord, that you'll do as you say that you'll do. Help us begin to pray by your word and will. 
and your way. And God, that we might find victory in our homes, in our church. May we start seeing our children be saved, our grandchildren. May seeing our homes becoming from dysfunction to function. Our finances, our lives, dear God, being where they ought to be. I know these things tonight, Lord. You want to bless us. It's not you. It's us. Teach us tonight. God, have patience with us and have mercy. God, forgive me as I know others are praying as well. God, I've just taken prayer and sort of just used it at my convenience. Pray, dear God, when it's just needful and necessary. Pray, dear God, because that's just the right thing to do and that's just a Christian thing to do. God, thank you tonight for changing my heart. Thank you for changing my mind. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. I will do better. I will get this right. Lord, I will pray. And God, I ask you tonight to each one that's here that you guide and lead us as we go home now. God, I pray you'll bring us back on Wednesday night ready to serve you and ready to hear from God's word. Blessed be your name tonight. I love you, Lord. Thank you for truth that you brought to us tonight in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right. Snow cone time.
Oh,